The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. All right, so this is Jeremiah 29, 4 through 14. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters, take wives for your sons, and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray for the Lord, and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek with all your heart, when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. All right. Well, welcome this morning, Vision Sunday. And uh, our text today is Jeremiah 29, verses 4 through 14. If this is your first time, welcome. My name is Randall. And uh, today we're going to be talking through this idea of how does God define success? How does God define success? As we watch this video this morning, um, what we find is that in the Bible, one of the things that God tells us is trust Him in the ordinary rhythms of everyday life. Trust Him that just following him step by step is really what success is. See, what is it that we define success by? Uh, recently, I was watching an ABC News special, and it was right at the end of 2016 in December. You know, everybody's thinking about what happened this past year, and so it was one of those news specials, and it was called 2016 Game Changers with Robin Roberts. Um, in that, uh, she highlighted different people in 2016 who made a huge difference and impact in our world. Some of the people she uh, ha- highlighted were people like LeBron James and Michael Phelps, who are athletes, uh, different artists like Chance the Rapper and Lynn Manuel Miranda, um, actor, philanthropist, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, all of these different names and people who would look at it and say, these are people from 2016 who've made a huge difference in our culture and in our society. Um, But as I watched, I thought to myself, what does it truly mean for not just them, but for all of us to be successful? Like truly successful. And is it possible for us in the ordinary rhythms or maybe the hidden things in life where we don't have a TV special about us to be successful? See, I've had to personally ask this question myself many times especially since we planted Grace City Church. And so Grace City is around a a year and a half uh, old. And I've gotten the question before, like, you know, why are you planting a church or why there? Any of those types of things. Like questions that you really have to process 
am I doing the thing that is going to be, in God's eyes, successful? Right? Like, am I doing the successful thing? Because it looks very risky to do it. See, I've had to evaluate what success is. And what I've found is this, that success begins and ends with God. It begins and ends with God. And so if you're coming in today and you're struggling, you're thinking, well, what do I need to do in life? Where am I at right now? I'm struggling with this idea. My hope is that today you walk away with a little bit more clarity about what God's view is and hopefully it affects you in your daily life. See, because in the Bible, to be successful in God's eyes, um, that's really all that matters. You think, well, that, that doesn't help me, right? Like, I need something practical. I need something to hold on to. Like, God is the one that defines success, and, and yes. He says, here's where it starts. First, to trust Jesus and to live out your God-given destiny. Your God-given destiny. Right, like a lot of where the confusion lies in our lives is I feel like I got to create my own destiny. I got to create my own future. But what we find in Scripture is that God has given you the gifts you had, made you exactly the way you are for a purpose and a reason. Uh, recently, uh, during this time, I've been, uh, you know, Christmas time, I've got three kids, and so you're putting things together. Right, like I'm putting uh, new things together, toys together, all these things together. And one of the things that I need to help put those things together is an instruction manual. I need the instruction manual. It's not like I, I can like go off of just feeling it, right? Like I'm not gifted like that. I need the instruction manual. And the same thing is true in our lives. What's the instruction manual for our lives? God says, here it is. Here it is. I want to give you this, and I want to say, look at this, find me, and you will find your purpose here. See, God has shaped you and me specifically for his glory. And let me ask these questions. What if God started to define your, your life? What if God started to find, to define success for you? How would everything change for you? See, as we start 2017, there's a great verse in Lamentations 3.40 that says this. Let us examine our ways and test them and let us return to the Lord. Right? Have you looked over 2016 and thought, what did my life look like then? And, and are there ways which right now as I examine what 2016 looked like that I can return back to God? Go just a little bit deeper into the life that God has for me. Could your view of success for 2017 just be a little off? And how can we go to God with this? See, this scripture is about humbly coming before God and saying, God, I need some feedback. I need some feedback because there were some things that happened in 2016 where I I said, that didn't work out. God, I need your feedback and I need your help. That's what this is about. And so what better time to come to God and ask him for his feedback than right now, right? Right? I mean, all of us at the beginning of 2017, we're all thinking, okay, what are the different rhythms that I need to live in for for this year? So we get these resolutions together and all that stuff. And I'm not against resolutions. Um, I think they're a good thing. They're helpful. Uh, For me, I've I've made some personally for myself. Um, One of them is just to drink more water and different things like that, right? So you've got these small ones, but you've got some big ones. What are those for you? And are they grounded in what God has? 
See, our vision for our church, uh, which was stated earlier, is to be a church for our city that seeks new life in Jesus. And so it's twofold. It's first to seek, uh, you know, Jesus and, and believe that Jesus, like everything in life can be found in him. And that, that's what we want to be as a church. So every week we're going to talk through the Bible and we're going to look at where Jesus leads us in our lives. Um, but also it's to be a church for our city. And what that means is that we're not a church here for ourselves. We're not a consumeristic church or a church that's like, hey, you know, let me just keep gathering and gathering and gathering. But we are a sending church, sending you out into the real world to be the church, to love people. See, we're not here for ourselves. God has placed us here for others. He's placed us here for others. And uh, so I, I believe that God has been working this out. And, and the vision for our church is based off of Jeremiah 29, 1 through 14. So you're thinking, where did that come from? Right here. The scripture verse. See, the vision is impossible if God is not at the center of this. If he's not working this all out. Like we can come up with visions, but they'll all be man-made visions. We want God's vision. And so... Really, I believe that to be a church for a city that seeks new life in Jesus is an only God vision. That can only happen through God, through his power, through his strength, through his ability. And so we need to come to him. See, for this vision to become a reality, practically, it's going to be for us to come before God, each one of us come before God and say, God, help me to see how you shaped me. Help me to see life through your eyes. Help me to see what success truly is, how you define it. And help me to play my part in the world. See, one of the things that uh, my two daughters, Elle and Ava, uh, I, I took them recently to gymnastics. And uh, they're, they're jumping around. They're doing all kinds of little crazy flips, you know, running throughout um, the gym, gymnasium there. And one of the things that they do is they just, they jump up and they say, Daddy, watch this. Daddy, 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 watch this. Don't you do that. You do that, right? <laughs> she says, Daddy, watch this. Watch me do this. Watch me do this. Watch me do this. See, what they want is they want my approval. They want me to come to them and, and say, great job. You're, you're doing a, a great job. And so in 2017, just like my daughters, just innately just come to me and say, okay, daddy, what, what, what is it the way, the, the way that, that I, you, you, you're seeing me, you're watching me, are you, approve, are you approving this? Do we come to God like that? God, help me to come to you like that. And so just some 2016 highlights as we look at where we've been as a church. It, it's been an amazing year. It was our first full year as a church. And um, this past year, there were 16 people that were baptized into Christ. And uh, that's, that's an amazing thing, isn't it? Uh, this year, we had our first uh, sports camp for kids, and we were able to uh, impact almost 100 families in our city. It was a free sports camp for our city. And uh, we were able to give away thousands of dollars worth of school supplies, backpacks to our local schools here in our city. Um, one of the things, too, that, that's going on in the city is we've been operating this care line. And so that prayer line that's out there right now is there are people that are calling from all over. You don't have to come to our church to be a part of this prayer line, but there are people that are here that are praying for people, that are helping people, uh, no strings attached. 
And that's what I love about being a part of this church is there's our, our, our phone number is on the bench ads all over the city. Um, anybody can text or call that and say, hey, I need some help. I need some prayer. And there's somebody at the other end of the line saying, I- I'm here to help you. Um, just one story real quickly. There was, a, there was a lady who came through that care line who was in an abusive relationship um, and got saved out of that, was, was saved out of that, put, got into a safe home. Um, there are people, again, from all over the city that are calling this number and that are being helped by the grace of God. And so can we just thank the care team that does a great job manning the line and helping out with that. Um, we had our one-year anniversary, and um, we've been able to invest time and resources, um, serve diligently here in our community. Um, there, this Christmas, there were 300 refugee families in San Diego that were given clothes and gifts for Christmas. Um, I was able to get a message from my friend, Pastor Silas. He says, uh, first, firstly, we would like to say thank you so much for your support and prayer for our Burmese ministry. By the grace of God, our Burmese refugee community Christmas outreach was so successful and many lives were touched by the gospel. Keep praying for us. We gave away $15,000 to plant a church in Loja, Ecuador. Um, only 12% of churches will ever help plant another church. Um, but the statistics say that those that are a giving church that invest in other ministries are actually the healthier churches. And so one of the things that we said from the beginning before we planted Grace City was that we were going to plant a church. And by the grace of God, in the first year that we were able to be a part of this, we were able to plant a church. And so can we just thank God for that amazing thing? And uh, just to give an update in my personal life, I've also gotten my first white hair. So it's happened. It's there. It is real. I, and, you know, I, I tried to get around it for a long time, but I said, you know what, I've got to own up to this. And so church planting, thank you for the first white hair in my life. It's been great. Um, so God has done extraordinary things in our midst. And I, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for investing. Thank you for being a part of this. Thank you for joining the family. And if you're new today, we want to invite you into something because here's the deal. I don't believe that God is done. I don't believe he's finished with us. And so what I'm asking for us is in 2017, we just come to God and say, God, what can we do? What do you want us to do? How are you going to find, define success for us in 2017? Because here's some things that we got coming very soon. We have a new youth ministry starting next week for middle school students. A new youth ministry that's going to be starting. And here's the thing. I was in youth ministry for eight and a half years. And I, I know that there are kids going through some brutal things. Right here in our schools. Right here in our, in our area, in our city. And they need a place to go. They need a place where there are going to be some adults and some people that are going to invest in them and teach them about Jesus. And so as I drive down the streets and see kids getting out of school, one of the things I think to myself is, Lord, please help us to be a a people that will help them. Because again, we're, we're not here for ourselves. We are here for our city. And so how can we invest in the youth in our city? Um, just real quickly, how many of you uh, came to know Jesus bef- while you were high school or below? 
Look around right now. Look, look at that. That's when you came to know Jesus. That's when I came to know Jesus. And there are more kids in our city that are just yearning for that. They're yearning for it. So how can we help? Um, another thing that, that we're looking at in 2017 is how can we equip you well? You know, our mission as a church is to equip you with the gospel for everyday life. See, it's not just in a vacuum that we believe in Jesus and that it just comes into fruition of like coming on a Sunday morning, but we believe it's every day of the week living out the Jesus life, being a person of the gospel, being a good news person. And so we want to invest in equipping you this, this year in 2017, though that's really where our focus is. Because here's the deal, more than anything, we believe that Jesus can use you in the ordinary. We believe that Jesus can use you in everyday life. It's not just Sundays. There can be the majestic and the mundane things of life. Uh, one preacher, Dick Lucas, once said, he said, if you saw a book entitled The Man or Woman That God Uses, uh, who would you think of when you thought that's who that book's talking about? See, many of us would think, well, it's, it's got to be about a missionary that's out there. It's got to be about some preacher that's out there. It's got to be about that type of person. But what he said was interesting. He says, the church has conditioned us to believe that we can only be used by God as preachers and missionaries. I just want to tell you today that's not, a, that, that, that's not the gospel. That's not true. And that you think about it, you say, well, what about the lives of Joseph, Daniel, Esther? What about the 30 years of Jesus just living life on earth, working with his hands. See, these were all people that were working in the workplace. That's what a majority of you do. You're working out in the world, in the workplace. And what I'm saying today is you can do that to the glory of God. See, it's Jesus through you and all of life. God can use you to make a gospel difference in your workplace, your neighborhood, and throughout every day, walking, going to the market, wherever. You see, Ephesians 2.10 says this, for we are his workmanship. Like God has crafted you workmanship. You are his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It's Ephesians 2.10. Here's the uniqueness of the Christian message. This is the uniqueness of it. You and I are not saved by our good works. We are saved for good works. See, like, you, you, you weren't saved because you worked really hard and got, you know, in good favor or good standing with God. But what we see is that Jesus worked his way down to you. Jesus lived the perfect life. And what he asks is that we put our faith in Jesus, our trust in Jesus. And now we get to go do good works for his glory. See, it is for good works that you've been saved. And so let me ask you two questions. What is God assigned to you, specifically to you? Because today, this, is, this isn't, again, just in a vacuum. This is about us, you. And what has God assigned to Grace City? What has God called us to be as a church? Um, so we're gonna be looking at Jeremiah 29, 1 through 14. And um, let me give you some background here on Jeremiah. Jeremiah's time uh, was 
in many ways similar to ours. Now, it's different in the sense that the Jewish people were, were taken captive. They were exiles brought to a place called Babylon. Now, Babylon was this huge city. Uh, many scholars during that time believed that around 500,000 people lived in Babylon. And, and that, that during that time, there weren't cities like today type of cities. You see, today, I mean, it's, cities have grown and grown and grown more and more. And um, right now, there's this trend that cities are on the rise. People are uh, going from the outskirts and coming into the city, taking root in the city. San Diego is more than double what Babylon was. Um, right now in San Diego, we are the eighth largest city in the United States. So 1.3 million people live in San Diego. So we're a big city, huge city. And what the Jewish people found themselves in was this huge, intimidating city that was filled with different people groups, with radically different ideas about religion, morality, the nature of the world. And what Babylon did was they were very strategic. And so when they would conquer an area, they would take the most skilled people from that area and they would take them and say, you're gonna work for us now. So what you see earlier in this text is that um, God, through Jeremiah, is speaking to these people. He's saying, okay, the craftsmen have been taken. The, the metal workers have been taken. The, the queen, the king, all of these people have been taken into captivity. The thinkers, the leaders in the society have been taken, and they've been held captive right here in Babylon, and now you're going to work for us. And let me ask you this. Do you feel at times that you, almost like you're in exile, like you don't fit? Like you're working and you're doing things, but you feel like you're not making any progress. Do you feel that tension? Because this scripture is very relevant to us today. The world has taken us out and said, okay, you're gonna do these things for us now. But what if God says, no, I'm calling you back to use your gifts for me. To use your gifts right where you're at for my glory. See, what God says to the exiles in this text is, it's astounding. It's astounding. It's to see three things. And so we're gonna, I'm gonna give you all three up front and I'm gonna sh break down this text today for us. But here are the three things that we need to see. The first is the decision. Second is the plan. And third is the promise. The decision, the plan, the promise. And so we see the first point, the decision, in verse 4. Um, look at today in verse 4. It says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Now the interesting part of this text is this, that God says, I have sent you. I have sent you. So God is saying, I have sent you into the place you're living right now. Like, I know you think that it's just happening because Babylon came in and took over, but I am sending you there, not Babylon. See, this is a different perspective on life. See, many, many of us would have a problem with this. We say, well, I thought I determined my own future. I thought I, I determined my own destiny. I thought I was the creator of my own destiny. I'm the author of my life. But the Bible pushes back on us in that and says there's one author and it's God. There's one creator and he decides. 
And what we should think is, as we read this, this should really humble us. This should really humble us in a lot of different ways. See, there are things that ultimately we can do. Like, we have decisions. You make decisions. I make decisions. We, we have that free will, right? Like, you can make decisions. But there are things that you can't make decisions about, right? Like, um, one thing Martin Luther said is he said that you can't decide how tall you're going to be. Like, I didn't decide that, right? So uh, there are things that are in your life right now that you, you didn't choose. Like, I, I didn't choose what family I was born into. didn't choose what part of the world I was born in. didn't choose um, what time in history I was born into. Uh, and, and really, in a lot of ways, what it says is that God sets times and places for us to be. And so just for a minute, could we think that God has placed you and I here with intention? That I know that we make decisions and all those things are working out, right? It's not like this, this idea where it's um, determinism. Like, I can't, you know, I have no decision in this. God determined this. It's not determinism, but it's not, not also not open theism. Like, I'm going to create my whole life, and God has to respond to all my decisions. It's actually right in the middle. Now, I don't know how this all works out. It's just like the Trinity, right? Like, Billy was talking about the Trinity earlier. Like, three persons, one God, all working together. Like, it's, it's true. The truth is that you have decisions that you're making, but ultimately God is deciding in what's happening in this world. And he is directing. And it is all working together. And if you try to think on it too long, it's, your head's going to explode. But <laughs> it's, it's a, this is a biblical concept. And so again, this should humble us. Because what this is, is God's sovereignty. God's rule. Um... Do you believe that God has placed you right where you're at today on purpose? That he made that decision? Because what will happen is it will start to change everything for you. And so that's what's happening to the people here is first off, he needs to tell them, I sent you there. I know you thought you got here by accident. I sent you there. The second point is the plan. Okay, so God, if you sent us here, then what is the plan? What are we supposed to do? Here's what God's plan for them is. And again, this is is shocking because there were false teachers that were coming beforehand that were saying, you got to get out of there. You got to do everything you can. God's going to deliver you and you're going to get out of there quickly and, and you don't have to stay there. But what we find in scripture is that God says, no, no, they're false prophets. Here's my plan. Here's what I'm going to tell you. The first thing he says in verse five, he says, build, plant, Verse 6, he says, multiply. Verse 7, he says, seek the welfare of the city. Hold on, so God, you're telling me to seek the welfare of this brutal city, which I don't agree with all the the things that are going on in this city. You want me to seek the good for it? Pray to the Lord on its behalf? To come in and say, God, I I see all the things that are broken in our city right now and, and help us. Help us. Right here, God is saying, it's time to root yourself. It's time to plant. 
It's time to stop making excuses and saying, well, maybe I'll go here, maybe I'll go there. Because here's the, the biggest hurdle to this generation that's coming up, is we are so transient. We're so transient. Like, people tell me, like, okay, you're moving to UTC, University City. So that's probably one of the most transient parts of San Diego. Right in here. People coming, going everywhere. Like, just moving all over the world. Why would you go there? Here's why. Because I believe that God has planted us here. He's called us to take root here. He's called us to invest here. He's called us to be a people here that maybe it might change. The demographic might change. The landscape might change because it keeps changing, right? But what about something that won't change? What about a place where people can go and know that they're going to be loved with the good news of Jesus? See, many times what we do is we approach the city selfishly. We can either use the city, and that's what we usually do, right? Like we use the city, like I, there's a lot of great things I can achieve there. There's a lot of great dreams that I can accomplish in that city. And so I want to use that city for my gain. And we don't ask the question, how am I here to serve the city? See, the people that Jeremiah is speaking to, they, they could. They could achieve things. They could achieve great things because what Babylon was trying to do was to help them, to strip them about their identity and to help them assimilate into the culture. So you can be successful here. You can do great things here and you don't have to remember anything about God. You can worship new gods. You don't have to worry about anything that, that you learned before. You can adopt new values and ideas. And what God's saying is, no, don't forget the things that I've taught you. Don't just assimilate into the culture, but plant yourself there. Root yourself there and remember me. That's the plan. See, in many ways as, as Christians, what's happened is we try to separate ourselves. We try to separate. We say, oh, well, that's the bad people. But really what the gospel is, it first tells us that we're all the bad people. Right? It's not like there's the good people and the bad people. No, it's, it's actually we're all troubled. We all have sin in our lives. That's really the, the, the offensive nature of the gospel, the truth of the gospel. But secondly, what it says is because of Jesus, now we have new life. We have new life. Jan Johnson once said, many people are rabbit hole Christians. Rabbit hole Christians. We just, you know, we got our little place, we bunker down, and we just kind of hide from the rest of the world. What does it look like to not hunker down and hide, but to plan ourselves and invest? See, God's way of approaching the city and God's plan for us is he says, invest. Pour your life into where he has placed you. He's placed you here now, right? Like he's been strategic. He said, I sent you there. Like you thought you got there on your own. You didn't. Secondly, I'm planting you there. Stop being wishy-washy about this. Timothy Keller says, it must have been utterly astounding for God to say, I want you, my children, to move into that city and I want you not just to engage the city enough so that your little tribe increases, 
I want you to seek the prosperity and peace of the whole city. I want you to pray for the city. Love it, root for it, not against it. How many times are we just kind of on the outskirts rooting against the city? How can we be people that are cheerleaders for San Diego? I'm here for this city. I love this city. I care about this city. I want it to flourish. Because that's what God is saying here. Look at verse seven. But seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile. That exile part is important because here's the deal. In the end, San Diego is not our true home if you're a believer. Like you're a citizen of another place. But live as really good citizens here because that reflects the glory of God. That reflects his goodness and his glory. And so are you investing in the place that you live? Have you ever asked God, what's your plan? Or are we so wrapped up in, these are my plans? Because you know what happens a lot of the times when we're so wrapped up in what's my plans? We get sorely disappointed, don't we? We get frustrated, we get mad, we say, God, why are you doing this to me? It's because we weren't rooting ourselves and saying, okay, I'm just gonna be where you place me and I'm actually gonna live life under your sovereignty and just say, okay, God, this is where you got me in life right now and I'm gonna dig in. Plant roots in the city where you live. That's God's plan. And then the last part is this, the promise. This is beautiful, the promise. Um, Look at verse 10. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. Here's the thing. A lot of the times what we do is we take the next verse and we say, we, we, we take it out of this context. We say, okay, let me just use it for myself. 2911 is very uh, popular in our world. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Here's what we love. Plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. We're like, yes! Jesus, I want that. I want you to give me that, you know, like real good stuff. But what we don't see is the, in verse 10 he says, 70 years. When 70 years are completed, then I'm going to take you back. 70 years are completed, then I'm going to come visit you. And I'll fulfill the promise that I, I told you but it's gonna take a while. See, we live in this culture that is, we want it now. I want it immediately. And again, this goes completely against the grain of our society. Because what God's saying is, I'm gonna give you something and I'm gonna promise you something, but it's gonna take some time. And you're gonna be rooted in that city for 70 years. You've got you've to go through the mundane things of life for 70 years. But you know what's going to happen next? Here's what he says. He says, I will visit you. He says, I know the plans I have for you. He says, you will seek me and find me. Like, where are you going to find Jesus? <laughs> in the struggle? In the grind? in the things that you think this really doesn't matter right now because what it will do is it will bring you to your knees and you will say, God, I need you. I can't do this. He says, I will be found by you. I will restore your fortunes and gather you. I will bring you back. 
This isn't a quick fix. This is saying, God, I'm here. I'm on my knees. I need you every step of the way. I need you. The people here, everything was stripped for them. It was stripped away so that they could see it was all God's. What we see a lot of earlier is people's disobedience to God because they kept fighting God. They kept saying, this is about me. This is about my plan. I, I gotta get this thing together. But, but what God does is he says, okay, I'm gonna send you into exile and you're gonna be stripped of all the things that you had that you thought gave you worth. And what's gonna happen next is you're gonna come to me. You're gonna find me. I love verse 13. He says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Verse 14, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you. Do you see how many times it says, I will, I will, I will, I know. Aren't those the things that we usually say? I will, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. Oh, I got these plans, I, I, I'm gonna come through with my plans. But what we see here is that God says, here's the promise that if you trust me, if you come to me, I will do it. I will accomplish it. It's a completely different way of life because where are the stresses of life mostly in? The I wills, the I knows. And God says, let me remove that from your life and tell you that I've got it. But you gotta come to me. See, God is with you and you don't have to build your life. He can do it. Ultimately, it's about his decision, his plan, and his promise. Are you willing to build your life on God? Because that's what success is. And so just some takeaways today as we start to digest that. How do we respond? Let me give you some suggestions. The first one is this. Invest in Jesus in 2017. Invest in Jesus. Invest in your relationship with him. Invest and say, okay, I, I'm gonna be intentional about this because there are a lot of other things that we're very intentional about. When it comes to our relationship with God, we're not intentional at all. We, we don't put any work into it. We don't say, okay, God, like, here, here's some things that I, I really wanna grow in in this next year with you in my relationship with you. And here's what we do. We go out into the world and we just get overwhelmed with all this bad news. Don't we? It's like you try to push this initiative forward or that thing forward and then it just starts getting stopped. You start getting roadblocks. Ah, this is disappointing. Ah, this isn't the way I thought it was going to be. But what Jesus says is seek me. Seek me and you'll find me. Because here's what we need. We need good news. We need to know that there's a plan above our plan. We know, need to know that God is working something out that's a lot bigger than what we see right now. I need that. You need that. We all need the good news that God's love is greater than what we seek out in the world. And you don't have to earn it earn approval for it, work your way towards it, but he, he says, I freely give it to you. 
I give you my love. I offer you my love. It is by grace you get this. Like you didn't deserve this. I didn't deserve this. So you and I need to know that we are not made right with God by our work, but it's trusting in Jesus. Here's the astounding thing about the gospel. It is Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Do you believe, and this is the the crazy part about what it means to be a Christian, is that Jesus did everything. He paid everything for me to be a Christian. So do you struggle with, am I a Christian? I'm struggling with this idea. Am I a Christian? Yes, because if you believe in Jesus and what he's done for you, then yes. It's about trusting him, not in myself. See, where we struggle a lot of the times is we say, well, I just can't forgive myself for doing this thing or that thing. And what we're saying is that our forgiveness is more important than God's forgiveness. You're looking more to yourself than you are to God. That's the reason you can't forgive yourself. That's the reason you keep going back over and over and over again, all all the terrible things you've done. But Jesus says at the foot of the cross, it's all finished. And if you don't go into the world with that good news, man, you'll be overwhelmed with bad news. It's consistent. And so one of the things that's the mission of Grace City is we want to equip you for this. We want to equip you to go out into the real world. Like one of these things we have is this card at the resource tent, the community tent out there. It just says, because Jesus said he would. And some of you this year in 2017 need to grab one of these cards, need to find a promise in the Bible because there are 3,000 promises that God gives you. And you need to say, okay, which promise am I not believing? How do I invest in Jesus this next year? And say, okay, Jesus, like, let me trust you on this. And you put this somewhere where you forget it a lot of the time. So maybe it's like the mirror, like in the morning, right? Like, okay, I need to see this first thing. Right here, grab one of these and say, okay, 2017 is gonna be different because of Jesus. And you make an investment in that. There are other free resources out there that I would encourage you. If you haven't read some of those books out there, grab one. If you need a Bible, grab one. Start out 2017 differently by seeking Jesus. Other things that we have that, that are, we, we made available are online messages. So every week there are messages on podcasts, on video. There's a discipleship series online right now that help go through the DNA of who we are as a church. And really the first one is gospel You need to know that the gospel, when Jesus comes into your life, there's an intersection that happens and it just completely changes you. It takes you on a different place and a different place in life. You need to know your identity is in him. And in 2017, I'm excited. My friend Amanda, Dr. Amanda, is gonna be doing some family talks in the morning. And get out here for that. Let's talk about that. If If you have struggles of like, is the Bible true? Come. There are going to be other practical talks that we're going to have about how do you study the Bible. Great places to start. Great resources. Invest in Jesus this year. The second takeaway is this. Invest in our city. I'm going to plead with you. As God is pleading with the people here in Israel, he's saying, invest in this city. Because you can either use it or you can invest in it. 
And for however long you are here, because not all of us are going to live in San Diego all of our lives, but as long as you're here, you're a San Diegan. You're somebody that says, you know what? I'm here for this city. I love this city. I will invest in this city. Ray Bakke once said, if you have a vision for a great church, you will end up with neither a great church nor a great city. But if you have a vision for a great city, you will end up with both a great city and a great church. I believe God is calling us to be a great church the way he defines And it's first by serving others and saying, hey, we're not here for ourselves. We're here to love our city. How can you do that? How can you start to see yourself as a missionary to your workplace, your neighborhood, this city of San Diego? Your work for God is just as important as mine. Hear me on this. Your work for God is just as important as what I'm doing right now. Hear me on that. The Bible says that. You don't do anything meaningless when God is at the center of it. It's all meaningful work. He gave it to you. He gave it to you. And it matters. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Do it all to the glory of God. Can we be the ones that enjoy life more because Jesus says he gives life abundantly? There are a lot of people that are walking around depressed, hurting, filled with shame and guilt, or filled with a sense, a, a false sense of happiness. And they're looking for happiness. What the Bible says is that God gives us joy. It's joy. It's true joy. My last point is this. Invest in Grace City. Invest in a church home. Whether it be here or another church home, invest somewhere in our city in a church family. Have you invested yourself in a church family? Have you said, okay, I'm here, I'm gonna root myself. Here's a starting place. Now, if this is for some of you your first time here, what I would say is this. Come over the next six weeks. Commit yourself and say, okay, I'm gonna come. I'm gonna learn what this church is about because over the next six weeks, we're gonna talk about who we are as a church. We're gonna talk about the gospel. We're talking about uh, the Holy Spirit. We're gonna talk about family. We're talking about all these types of things, these beliefs of who we are as a church and why God has placed us here. And what I would say is start 2017 out by just committing and saying, you know what, I'm gonna be there. Six weeks. And by the end of it, you could say, okay, I know what that church is about, and that's not for me. Or maybe I need to be rooted somewhere else. But that's okay. As long as you go to a church family and say, hey, I'm here, I'm rooted. I'm going to invest. If you've been coming for a while, here, here's what I want to say. This is a question for you. Are you being obedient to God with your time, talents, and finances? Are you? Like, because as you evaluate everything, you say, okay, God, like, these are things that are yours. You gave them to me. Am I being obedient? That's the only question I'm asking. Are you being generous in all of life? Right? Gracious with your time. Gracious with your talents. Gracious with your finances. Like, okay, God, you're using them for your glory. That's something that me and my family, we, we do every year. We say, okay, what are we doing this year? What does it look like for us financially? How can we be generous this year? 
And one of the things that I've been convicted about is say, okay, 2016 was great, but I want to give more away than I received in 2017. I want to give more away. I don't want to accumulate. I want to give it away. How can we do that? How can we have a plan for that in 2017? Because that is the heart of our church too. If you haven't noticed, we, we give a lot away. And people are like, why are you doing that so much? You know, like, why are you giving all that stuff away? You could have used that, right? Like, that's who we are. That's the DNA of our church. Oz Guinness said it like this. God's work must always be done in God's way to see results that are worthy of God's reality and greatness. I want to see results that are worthy of God's greatness. And what that takes is risk and saying, okay, I'm going to be here. I'm going to do this because I would love for us to, to see this, if you've been coming for a while, a shift from being blessed to being a blessing. That's what God's called us to do, right? Like we've been so blessed. It doesn't stop with just accumulating blessing. It says, how can I be a blessing? Be a blessing to people. Here's why. Not out of guilt. It's because of the gospel. It's because of the gospel. See, we serve a Jesus who didn't just invest part of his life. He said, well, I'm just gonna give like 10% here, right, of my life. I'm gonna tithe my blood. If that were the case, there would be no Christianity. He says, I'm gonna give all of it. I'm gonna put it all in front of you, God. I'm gonna obey you. I'm gonna give everything. That is why he invested all of his life his life, his death, his resurrection, he gave it all. Why? For others. For you. For me. For people that don't even know him yet. For all of us who've been messing up our lives and saying, I thought I had a plan that was going to work out. He says, let me give you a better one. That's the good news. That you and I can live every day and experience the life that God says, start with Jesus and let me define what success looks like for you. That's what it is. And so what is it for you this year? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for investing your life. And God, we want to be a people that are after what you say success is. We want to be a people that say, okay, God, whatever it is you want to give me, give away, I want to I I do that. I want to be that person. I want to be generous. I want to be gracious because we serve a generous and gracious God. We serve a God who was extremely gracious and generous in our worst, in our most selfish. Thank you, Lord, for being that God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.